Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we've just been preaching through uh, this chapter, looking at some biblical advice for daily living. This has been uh, a message from the Lord our Savior, right from His earthly ministry. And so, uh, you can't go wrong when you're preaching what Jesus preached, amen? <laughs> so, we're going to just go through His words and... And see what he has for us this morning. Matthew chapter 7, our first part, we went from verse 1 all the way down uh, through verse, let's see, see what verse that was, verse 11. And so we're going to pick up today in verse 12, and we'll be reading through verse 23. Matthew 7, verse 12 through 23. If you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's word, and I just want to say, Thank you to uh, Brother Daniel has been filling in, helping us with song leading and, and uh, opening our services up. <clears throat> Pardon me, he's been doing a great job. And I was thinking about that this morning. Well, today is his last Sunday before going off to college. They'll be hauling him this week up to Wisconsin. That's how they say it up there, Wisconsin. So I, I've never been up there, but I, I've met some people from up in that neighborhood, <clears throat> and that's how they say it. <clears throat> So we're going to wish you well, Daniel. Hope you have a great time. Learn a whole lot, but don't come back talking funny around here. (laughs) We're looking forward to his return, and I know you're going to have a great time at school, making memories and friends, learning a whole lot, and uh, getting ready to do some graphic design. That's his interest, so I hope you'll pray for him. He'll have great experience there. The Lord will use him in a great way and uh, just help polish those skills and learn the things he needs to be successful. And uh, I know he'd appreciate that so much. Daniel, thank you for all your help here uh, in all the things you do, not just leading singing. I know you're involved in other ways, and we certainly appreciate that. Uh, now, Sam kind of made a change of direction. He's going to stay closer to home, and uh, so he's back there in the sound booth uh, today still because of that change. So, you know, if you just want to redirect, that'd be all right with us, Daniel. But in the meantime, we're going to pray for you and hope you have a great time up there. All right. Matthew chapter 7, I know you found your place. Let's pray together. And then we're going to pick up right there in verse 12. We'll read down through verse 23. So let's pray. Father, how we do love you today and thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for our dear church family and precious friends. It's a blessing to be able to gather and be encouraged uh, by one another. And uh, we're just grateful for all the the components, all the parts that that make up this assembly and the fellowship that we have. Uh, Lord, you know, thinking about... Uh, Daniel leading the singing and Sam helping in the sound booth. We think about the ladies that sing and the men who take the offering. And we think about the ladies who work in the nursery. Uh, Lord, right on down to all the preparation, those that clean and and, uh, help the facilities look nice. Lord, we just thank you for all of that and for everyone's uh, investment. Because it's often the little things when added together that make up the sum. And so we thank you, Lord, for all that you do among us. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to see it and celebrate it together. And we just ask now that you'd take this time in your word to speak to our hearts, to guide our thoughts. Lord, to to do a little work on us in our hearts, in our lives. So we pray, Lord, that you'll teach us today, that you'll guide us and speak to us, that you'll do that work that's that's, uh, never-ending within us. Have your will and way in this service, Lord, and we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Matthew 7, verse 12, the Bible says there, Therefore, all things whatsoever that 
ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I want to preach today the second part of this message, biblical advice for daily living from these verses. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Here's the Lord teaching. All of these verses are in red, if you have a red letter edition Bible. And Jesus himself is giving us this great advice. In the first part of this chapter, beginning in verse 1, we tackled that challenging message. Judge not, that you be not judged. No doubt you've heard that many times. And we said that that is one of the most twisted scriptures in the Bible. People use that self-servingly to, to deflect any kind of criticism from what they're doing. But that's not how Jesus used that verse. He was teaching us not to be critics. And the point was not that we should never put a label on good and evil. Quite the opposite is true in the, in the biblical message. Because believers are supposed to be wise enough to discern and identify the difference between good and evil. We'll see more about that in a moment. But what Jesus was saying in that part of the chapter is, he was saying, don't be a hypocrite. If you read the rest of the verses after verse 1, Jesus explains, he spends four more verses explaining that concept. Fix the problems in your life first, and then you can help others with their problem, right? But don't go around correcting other people in their little problems when you have bigger problems of your own that you haven't even identified. So that's being a hypocrite. And when Jesus said that in this passage, that's what he was telling us. It's good advice, isn't it? Don't be a hypocrite. He said, don't be trivial with truth. We need to think about who we give our truth to. He also said, ask for good things. And he taught us how much the father longs to give good things to his children. Today we're picking up in verse 12, and we want to see what the Lord has for us here. Some more good advice for daily living, some biblical advice. I say biblical. I want to emphasize that word because biblical advice is even better than good advice, as good as good advice can get. So look at verse 12. What's the message here? What's Jesus saying to us? Therefore, he says, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, 
Then he says there, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule, isn't it? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. But that's not the philosophy of this world that we live in. Often you'll find that the philosophy of the world and the teachings of the Bible do not line up together. Because Jesus says, you know, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Treat people the way you want to be treated. But that's not what the world teaches. The world says, do it unto them before they do it unto you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's quite a different breakdown, isn't it? So th- th- what they want to do is they just want to be a little bit quicker at getting one over on you before you get one over on them. Now, is that the same as what Jesus taught? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the world is taking advantage before they can be taken advantage of. But God's message is do good. Right? Treat people the way you want to be treated. Send that good out there. Make the investment first before you expect the return. Why? Because the Bible has something that we call the law of sowing and reaping. It's known in the world by different, by different uh, names, but we're going to stick to what the Bible says, right? So the Bible says that if you sow, whatever that is, you sow, you, that's what you're going to reap. And we always go back to harvesting to give the example of that. If you put corn in the ground, what's going to come up? Corn, right? And if you put uh, peanuts in the ground, if you put cotton in the ground, whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get. You go out in your backyard, you plant a garden, you plant tomatoes, you're going to get tomatoes. You plant cucumbers, you're going to get cucumbers. We don't plant cucumbers and expect squash. We don't plant tomatoes and expect an apple tree, right? I mean, if you had something like that happen, you'd be looking around for strange things. This is not normal. But, you know, sometimes people, people expect that in life. How can you send out bad and expect to get back something good? That just doesn't make sense. So when the world says do it unto others before they do it unto you, <laughs> wait a minute. You're rolling the wrong stone. You're you're sowing something that you don't want to reap. And then you're going to be surprised when life is hard and people don't treat you right. Well, guess what? You, You initiated that, but the world doesn't see that, do they? And so that's why I love the teachings of the Bible. God helps us see clearly. God helps us understand how things work so that we might approach life correctly and get a better return. God's way for living is the best way because God made life. God created us and God told us how to live. And if we would listen to the creator, the one who designed us and our way of life, he knows what fits. He knows what works. And when we take God's advice, then we always get a better return. Life is better when we do it God's way. And these, these principles that he's sharing with us in Matthew chapter 7 just confirm that over and over again. So what's he saying here in verse 12? He's saying, remember the golden rule. This is God's golden rule, how he told us to, to sow the right things 
Because you're going to reap one day. And when you reap, you want to reap good stuff. So if you want to reap good stuff, you've got to sow good stuff. Isn't that right? You've got to sow it first. So he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? And that's what we have to stop and think. Every time you have to confront someone, you need to stop and think. If this were me, how would I want someone to confront me? If, this, if I were creating this problem, how would I want someone to handle this? Right? And go and approach it that way. Handle it that way. And you'll find that God's wisdom works. Remember the golden rule. Plant the good harvest. Now, by the way, if we go back to our sowing and reaping, when you put something in the ground, whatever it is, you know that that's what's going to come up. But, you know, it doesn't come up right away. You don't go out on Monday and plant tomatoes in your garden and come out on Tuesday morning and have a stalk full. It takes time, doesn't it? It takes a lot of tomorrows, a lot of watering and a lot of sunlight, a lot of you know, nutrients in the soil. There's a lot of things that have to go into that. And the biggest thing that has to go into it is time. Time has to go by. Some people get discouraged because they sow rightly and they sow rightly but they don't reap. And they do something correct, and they don't feel the return right away. Look, we have to, here's the warning label. We live in a world of instant gratification, and often we we want instant reward, but that's not how life works. We have to understand the principle of delayed gratification. And if you understand that, then you know that what you plant tomorrow or what you plant today, it's not going to come up tomorrow, but it is going to come up. You just have to give it enough time. But here's the good part. When you plant that, let's say, for example, you plant that corn in the ground and you give it enough time. When corn finally comes up, do you have one kernel of corn? Well, that's what you planted. But no, you have a stalk and ears full of corn. So the, the truth is, you get more than what you planted, right? And you know what? In my experience, coming to church, seeing people come to Christ and try to live the Christian life, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, if we don't have our perspective right, if we don't have understanding, we get frustrated, we get confused, we get defeated. Sometimes people even give up on, on the Lord, on church and all that. Here's why. Because they've been planting bad seed, bad seed, bad seed, bad seed. And because of that, they have bad crop, bad crop, bad crop coming up upon them. They're harvesting all this terrible stuff. But it's because of all the years of sowing and worldliness and wickedness you did before you came to Christ. And then you got saved. And for a week, you've been living right. And all of a sudden, you're expecting this great crop in. Wait a minute. You kind of let the rain come for a while. You got to let the sun shine. And guess what? After you come to Christ and after you get in church and after you do right, you you still may have some harvest coming from that wicked seed you planted way back there. You got to give time for the wicked harvest to diminish while the harvest of your new righteousness begins. And if you'll stay with it, and if you'll stay with God, and if you'll keep doing what's right, eventually you'll be in the good harvest, and the good days, and the past will be gone. 
but it takes some understanding, it takes some patience, it takes some perseverance to get there. Hey, remember the golden rule Jesus is saying in verse 12, all things whatsoever that ye would that men should do to you, first, do it to them. Do it to them. Sow that seed, right? Remember the golden rule. Then he says next, in verses 13 and 14, he says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be which find it, or that find it. Think about that. He talks about two gates, the wide gate and the narrow gate. And what is the wide gate? The wide gate is the path that everybody's walking on. The majority. But the narrow gate, he said there's only few that find it. It's the right gate. It's the straight gate. It's the gate that leads to life. Now we could apply that to salvation and we could say that, you know, uh, you know, there are few that find it. If you look at the vastness of our population and then the number of people underneath that category who truly know Jesus Christ as their Savior, well, the numbers would reflect this principle for sure. But it's also this way when it comes to the way we live our life. We talked about the golden rule. How many are applying that? Well, it's going to be in the few category because the majority are doing what feels good. They're doing what's convenient, not what's right. But Jesus says, stay on the straight and narrow. Jesus is saying, look for the narrow gate. Stay on the straight path. Why? Because it leads to the right destination. You know what? You can't get to the right place on the wrong path. Think about that. There's a lot of times when we try things in life, we set off in a direction without giving a thought to where does this go anyway? You ever been out in the woods, you're hiking through nature or whatever, and you, you go down this trail? Don't you first think, I wonder where this goes. I wonder where this trail leads. Right? You certainly want to look and see, is this trail at least pointing in the direction I want to go? Right? This direction, this trail's headed south and I want to go north? Well, maybe that's not the trail you want to be on. You know, the same thing is true in life. We have to have some discernment about life, discernment about our choices, discernment about our actions. Hey, that's why I think it's a good practice to read Proverbs every day. Get you some wisdom from the Bible about how to live life so that when you, when you make those choices, when you put your feet on the path, it can be the right path. You can have some discernment about not only where you're going, but where it leads Don't just go down a path and wake up one day and say, how did I get here? One step at a time, walking down that path that you chose way back there, right? We have to be careful. We have to think about what we're doing. The Bible says, ponder the path of thy feet. Think about what you're doing. Think about where it leads. Where is it going? The straight and narrow path Jesus talks about that's so important. And then in verse 15, notice what the Bible says. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly 
They are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. I'm going to stop at verse 20 just for a moment. But he's, he's talking about false prophets. By the way, did you notice there's a couple of things you need to know about false prophets. First of all, and I'm just going to say the message of Jesus simply is this. Watch out for false prophets. And why do we have to watch out? Because look at the way they come. He said they come to you in sheep's clothing. Oh, they're all dressed up nice. They look good. They come with the right appearance. They come with the right approach. But he said inwardly. They're ravening wolves. He's talking about their intentions. Things you can't see. He's talking about their motive, their motivation. He's talking about their agenda. They're up to no good. Watch out for false prophets. You know, Jesus is giving this message, and there's something that he's not saying. There's a word missing. It's the word you. Just like in Peter, when Peter says, add these things to your faith. Okay, so we think, well, well, wait a minute. Do, do I add these or is God going to add these to me? No, Peter's saying add these. You add these, but the you is missing. He's implying that this is your responsibility. That's exactly what Jesus is doing when he's telling us to beware of false prophets. So he says in verse 15, beware. But, but guess what word is missing? You. Whose job is it to identify the false prophet? It's yours. It is your job to know that the people who are teaching you are teaching you the right thing. That is your job. It's your responsibility. So what does Jesus say? You're going to identify them. Can I say this? Can I stop for a moment and show you that this, this again kind of underscores the idea that back in verse 1 of the same chapter, when the world just likes to, they only want to quote this verse. They don't want to go nowhere else in the chapter, but they'll quote verse 1. Judge not. Hey, let me tell you something. As a Christian, as a Bible believer, in these modern times, you're going to have to make some judgment decisions. You've got to evaluate some things. You have to have the ability to discern Good and evil. Can you do that? Because if you can't, then my friend, you are walking on dangerous ground. Jesus used a strong word here. It's the word beware. Beware! There's something to watch out for. There's something to be careful about. There's something to be aware of. And that is there's false prophets. There's people who are out to get you. There are people who are out to do you harm. He said inwardly they are ravening wolves. Hey, listen, you cannot always assume that everyone who wants to lead you has your best interest at heart. 
That is not the case. That is not the case. Corruption runs deep in this world. And there's a lot of people who are self-serving and ravenous. And, and look, they look good. They look sharp. They, they know how to say it. They know how to talk. They sound well. Their appearance is just right. They look like a sheep. But Jesus said, that's a wolf. How do you know? Well, the only way to know is to have discernment, to be able to make the judgment call. So do you judge? Well, you don't become a judge, but you have to make a judgment decision. This is the kind of most of the judgments in the Bible are quiet and to yourself. You don't go around pronouncing them. Why? Because we are not a judge, but we have to have the ability to make a judgment to come to a conclusion that's biblical and that's right, especially when it comes to these false prophets. So notice what the Bible says about these false prophets. First of all, we get the direct implication from Jesus. They are not who they appear to be. And I don't care if you're talking about, you know, don't, don't just confine this to the religious arena where you're talking about preachers and popes and evangelists and people like that, television, radio preachers. Of course, this applies to all of them, but it applies to everyone else who would lead you. And please remember to insert politicians right into this, because there are some ravenous wolves among our political leaders who may talk sweet and soft like sheep, but on the inside they are ravening wolves. They know how to say it so that you think they mean one thing, but in reality, they mean something else. It's a redefinition of terms. And you have to have some sharp discernment to know the difference. Ravening wolves, what is it? They're not who they seem to be. Number two, you will identify them by what they produce. Notice what Jesus said. He said this more than once. And so I think if Jesus himself repeated this in the same conversation, then he must have wanted us to remember it. Look what he said in verse 16. He said, ye shall know them by their what? Fruits. Now look down, if you will, at verse 20. He says, wherefore, by their what? Fruits. Ye shall know them. You know why? Because you're not always going to know them by their, their appearance. And you're not always going to know them by their words. So you have to watch. You have to, be, you have to be able to look deeper than the surface to know their fruits. That's why I like organizations, for example, I like organizations that show the track record of political leaders running for office. It's easy for a candidate running for office to make all kinds of promises. Oh, I, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to support the family. We're going to do what's right. Wait a minute. What, what have they been standing for? What have they been voting for? Right? I, I like to see that stuff. You can see if their walk matches up with their talk. By their fruits, you shall know them. And, and that's how we should examine every leader. Enough to know that their walk and their talk line to up together. That's, that's when you know you're following somebody that has integrity. You know what? It's your responsibility to follow those who have integrity and do what's right. And not give uh, support 
to a wolf in sheep's clothing. You say, why do those, why, how come those people can ever lead? Because people follow them. People support them. People finance them. People get behind them. That's how they lead. That's how they do the damage that they do. That's how they devour the things that they devour and cause the damage where they do. Because people support it. Jesus is saying, hey, you're responsible to know this, to identify, to figure it out. Watch their fruits. Don't judge by what? Their appearance. Does the Bible say anything about that? Go to John chapter 7 with me. We're in Matthew 7. Go over to the Gospel of John. And look at John chapter 7. And then find, if you will, verse 24. Again, these words are in red. This is Jesus on the same type of subject. And look what he says in John 7, 24. Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now, I want to point again to our, to our friends in the world. Jesus did not say, judge not. He could have just stopped right there, if that's what he intended to say. But that wasn't the message. You know, it's a pretty weak, anemic kind of a believer, kind of a Christian, who never makes a judgment call, who never makes a decision who never has to identify and pinpoint the difference between right and wrong. What kind of a cheesy Casper milk toast Christian is that? God never called us to be that. God called us to be light and salt in the world, a city on a hill. How can you be light and shine if you never never can reveal where the lines are drawn? If you don't know what's what? That's not light, that's darkness. And the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want to be exposed. Well, that's why they kick back when you expose them. And that's why they quote verses like Matthew 7, 1. They have a few that are their favorites. It's the only verses they know. But we can't follow that. We can't let them influence us. We can't let them silence us. That's exactly what they want. We're playing right into their hands. But we think just because, well, they're quoting the Bible, they must be right. No, no, no. That goes, remember, discernment. Are they quoting the Bible correctly? Go to Matthew chapter 4. Guess who else quoted the Bible? The devil quoted the Bible. Was he right? Absolutely not. But he quoted the Bible and twisted the scriptures to suit his own agenda and tried to get Jesus to bow to him and follow him. Now, if Jesus had fallen for that like we do, well, everything would have ended in Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> Thank God Jesus had discernment and an answer. He gave Scripture back. We have to know how to handle the Bible ourselves so that we can explain, so that we can come back with truth, so that we can make the right decisions. What did Jesus say in Matthew seven twenty four? He said, judge righteous judgment. Righteous judgment is not made on the basis of appearances. It's made on the basis of principle and fact. Hey, how many times have you seen something and come to a conclusion, oh, and then later realize, I was wrong. 
It wasn't that way at all. Now that I know the rest of the story, oh, I realize that's not what was happening, but it sure looked like it. If we're going to be mature Christians, if we're going to be mature in the faith, then we have to have the discipline. It goes back to Peter's list, virtue. We have to have the character enough to wait, the discipline to find the facts before we form a conclusion. Because when we make a conclusion, we want it to be a biblical conclusion. We, we want it to be right. We, we don't want to judge based on appearance only. We want to make a right judgment about what happened or what to do based on the principles of God's word and the facts of what happened or what is happening. Isn't that right? And so we want to be careful. We want to be clear. And we want to, we want to do it correctly. We want to be correct. So John chapter 7, verse 24, is a good verse for you to know. It's a good verse to highlight. It kind of helps you. The next time you want to jump to a conclusion, you've got to say, whoa, wait a minute. Let's find out the facts first. Let's ask a few questions. Hey, is that really what I thought it is, was? Get the information, do the research, ask the questions, and then come to a conclusion. Hey, let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. Let me show you another verse. How are we going to identify the sheep from the wolves? Jesus gave you that responsibility. So in Hebrews chapter 5, there's something here that we need to see. Notice in verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern. You might underline that. To discern both what? Good and evil. Who's discerning good and evil? You are. You know, there are people that would have us think that we're to never make that distinction. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you're really a good Christian and you're mature in the faith, you are the one that should make that distinction. And you ought to be able to do it correctly and rightly based on the truth of God's word and the facts that are apparent before you. So what do we need to do? We need to practice. We need to exercise so that we can discern. We need to have that ability to discern. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll find out that wisdom... And by the way, Brother James has something to say about that as well. There's two types of wisdom in the Bible. There's worldly wisdom or street wisdom, and there's godly wisdom. And the Bible promotes godly wisdom. And that's what we need. Where, do, where does it come from? It comes from God. And the Bible says God gives. God gives wisdom. The source of wisdom is God. And God gives wisdom through His Word. And anybody can have it if they really want it. Because the Bible says, Brother James said, God gives it liberally and abradeth not. He doesn't withhold wisdom. And wisdom leads to, when we apply it and when we practice it, wisdom leads to discernment. Right? The discernment is the ability to apply that wisdom to life. 
to decisions, to choices, sometimes to people. When you read the book of Proverbs, there are people that you have to identify in Proverbs. You have to identify the simple. You have to identify the wise. You have to identify the scorner. Who are these people? Well, only discernment will help you find them. So when you deal with a person, which one are they? Are they a simple person? Are they a wise person? Are they a scorner? Are they foolish? There are foolish people. We don't know what category people fall into unless we know what the Bible says. And we can discern that. Then we understand who we're dealing with. Now we know how to approach the situation. Right? What about the sluggard? The slothful man? There are people that in Proverbs that we need to become acquainted with and, and we need to have the ability to discern. And first, we, we need to discern whether we are one of those. Which category are you in? That's where it all starts. Jesus said you should know them by their fruits. That means we have to be able to make a judgment and it needs to be a right judgment, not just based on appearance. We need to make sure that we have the ability to discern. Why? Because these wolves in sheep's clothing, they have to be exposed. They do. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing is dangerous. We can't let everybody just ignorantly follow them. We have to say, hey, wait a minute. It's not right. We have to identify the wolf. All right? So think about what Jesus said in verse 19, Matthew chapter 7. Going back to our text, he said, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is what? Hewn down. This producer of evil fruit, he said, cut it down. We've got to get rid of that. Take that out. And then he goes on in verses 21 through 23. He says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Man, that's, a whole, that's another message. But I want to give you the gist of this. In verse 22, he says, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils? In thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. He didn't say, I knew you for a while. (laughs) He said, I never knew you. What's he talking about? He's talking about somebody that's not a sheep. He's talking about somebody that's not one of his. And folks, this is, this is hard. We, we, don't, we don't really like to think about this, but, but you have to remember this. You have to understand this. And maybe right after, you know, maybe, maybe in our immediate post-COVID, you know, time period, maybe this isn't as prevalent as, as it might have been at once in the past. But you have to understand that not everybody that professes Christ is truly saved. I'm not saying that this morning to make us suspicious and start looking around at one another. Again, you know them by their fruits, right? I'm just trying to say that we have to understand that when we are in a church, especially a church of any size, the more a church grows, the more susceptible it becomes. That not everyone in it is truly born again a child of God. Y'all ever heard of church splits? Y'all ever heard of sin in the church, right? 
Yeah, if you've been in church any length of time, you know that people are people wherever you go, even in church. <laughs> right? Hey, hey, don't you remember reading in the Bible about tares among the wheat? Sown by the wicked one? They're there to do damage. They can only do their damage if we forget who they are. Did you catch that? If you properly identify the wolf, then he's not going to hurt you. If you know what that, where the tares are, then they're not going to do any damage. Right? Think about that. Sometimes when we come into the four walls of the church, all of a sudden we get this impression like, okay, man, everything's good here. Right? No, 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 no. This isn't a museum of saints. We're not all perfect with no problems here. When you come to church, listen, this is a mission field just like anywhere else you go. And if this is the right kind of church, there ought to be lost people in here. Come and find Jesus. We ought to be bringing them in with us, right? We can't just expect and we can't, we can't act like everybody in here is, you know, a perfectly mature saint living for God all the time. Well, we're trying to be. Right? But we have to remember. We have to remember to be looking around. We have to remember to be aware. We have to know what we're looking at. We have to examine the fruit. And we have to do that always, no matter where we are. Even in good places. We may find tares growing. In order for all of this to take place, Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. And hey, you know, one of the least places people expect a false prophet is in a, is in a local church. But it can happen. And that's why Jesus said, watch out, beware, watch out for false prophets. But in order to catch any of this, in order to do what Jesus is teaching us, you have to be able to see beyond the surface. You have to be able to discern what's below. Because Jesus said on the outside, they look like sheep. He said, but inwardly. You can't see the inward. The only way to see that is to watch the fruit. He said, inwardly, they're ravening wolves. Wow. Well, the Bible says a lot more about false prophets. This is by no means uh, an entire message on that, but it's included in what Jesus said. He wanted us just to remember and beware of false prophets. Part of our responsibility. It's biblical advice for daily living for us. Remember the golden rule. Stay on the straight and narrow and watch out for false prophets. He said, by their fruit, you shall know them. Let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we thank you for these precious words. Lord, we thank you for the careful reminders. We thank you for the better than good advice, the biblical advice that you give us from this chapter. My, how time flees away as we just go through the principles of what you taught because, Lord, there's so much included there. These, these words are so rich and there's such depth. We pray that you'll help us to practice that discernment. We pray you'll help us learn to make that, that kind of righteous judgment you talked about so that we can be true examples of, of what you're teaching here. Help us to be mature in our faith and responsible in our decisions. Help us to be discerning in our lives.
so that we can do what you've taught us to do. Lord, I pray that you'll help us each one. First, that we might know you as Savior and be truly born again. And secondly, Lord, that we might live in a way that's pleasing to you, that lines up with your words, that we might build our life on the teachings of the Bible. Because we know your way is always the best way. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. We pray you'd have your way now in this invitation. Help us do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we ask.